0: Eventually, you had to know that Sam Horn was going to have to choose a sport, but it turns out he may have to choose a lot sooner than any of us might have expected. Plus, let's talk about a big-time Missouri win over the Georgia Bulldogs coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. Thanks for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen every day and thanks for going to LockedOnMizzou.com for all your links and telling a friend about this podcast. You can find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And on Amazon Music as well, if you want to go with an ad-free version of this program. But, you know what? Of course, a big-time win by the basketball team on Saturday on the road against Georgia. That'll all but surely punch a ticket to the big dance. I'd say they're pretty much in at this point. As you saw if you saw my Locked On Now video from this past Saturday on YouTube and on social media. But you know what? we got to start, though, with Mizzou football Because some huge news, well, at least some apparent news, let's put it that way. Sam Horn left the Missouri baseball game on the mound, just his second appearance for the Tigers, and pointed to his elbow. And those of you who are baseball fans, and I assume that's most of you who listen to this program, well, you know, that's often a sign of the dreaded Tommy John surgery is forthcoming. And what makes this a complicated situation, of course, is Sam Horn, not only a baseball player, but a football player as well. And again, who knows? I don't want to speculate 100% on what Horn's injury is, but, but let's just assume worst case scenario for the sake of discussion here. Hopefully Horn is okay. You know, from my experience, I hate to say it, generally when you see a pitcher leaving the mound quickly and pointing to his elbow, it's usually a really, really bad sign 90 plus percent of the time, it would seem to me. So just for the sake of discussion, let's assume it's maybe the worst case scenario and the baseball people are telling him he needs to shut it down and possibly get Tommy John surgery. Well, the reason I said because he's a football player, this complicates that scenario is is because often football players, quarterbacks specifically, of course, I'm talking about here. Yeah, if you're a left tackle who gives a crap about your elbow. But of course, on his throwing arm, Sam Horn, again, one of the top quarterbacks Missouri has recruited in a long, long time. Well, often quarterbacks when they hurt their elbows, as by the way Brock Purdy did of the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game, he had a clear elbow injury in that ball game that caused him to be removed from that ball game. Well, it sounds like right now he's just going to rehab an injury and play through something. He's going to get it fixed per se and he's going to, you know, push through it, but it's not going to be the year long type plus rehab that you often associate with baseball pitchers and Tommy John surgery. The bottom line is throwing a football puts a lot more stress on your shoulder versus your elbow, at least when compared to being a major league or college baseball level pitcher. Simply put, When you're throwing breaking pitches, it just puts a ton of stress on that elbow, just the baseball motion in general. Whereas, I'd be much more worried about a shoulder injury for a quarterback, which, frankly, of course, Brady Cook has a shoulder injury. So the thing is, if the reality is that maybe the baseball people want him to have Tommy John surgery again, getting way ahead of ourselves here, well, maybe the football people are telling him, well, maybe you should have this procedure instead, And maybe you can actually be ready for fall camp because, to me, if I'm Sam Horn and I have a shot to be the starting quarterback at Missouri this year, that's an incredibly valuable thing. If I want to be a quarterback not only in the SEC going forward, but if I think I have a shot playing NFL football someday – He kind of needs to get going sooner rather than later. If he spends another season not playing college football, well, he's just another year older, another year without any experience whatsoever for all intents and purposes, other than a couple garbage time passes last season against New Mexico State. So if it comes to that, my point is, if you're Sam Horn, you've got a really interesting decision on your hands. How important is baseball to you truly? Because it seemed like he was sort of moonlighting as a pitcher, of course. Spring practice starts tomorrow. And the idea was, well, Sam will be joining the football team and basically being full time with them. And when he has time to be with the baseball team, he'll do that on the side. Well, if this is truly his side gig, I hate to say it, if he has an ability to get a different operation a different path toward recovery for whatever this elbow injury might be and that helps him get on the field this fall with Missouri i think he should take that path again completely his decision but if i were him i think that's the one i would take because if that truly is your what you're going for here and maybe baseball is more of a dream than an actual reality in other words he's a better football prospect than a baseball prospect anyway well I hate to say it it might be time to choose back in the day Bo Jackson basically had an injury that made him choose for him well Sam Horn we may look back and say this was that moment for him as well now obviously I just laid out the worst case scenario for you I would say best case scenario well Obviously, he could miss no time whatsoever and show up at spring practice tomorrow. That seems pretty unlikely at this point, considering the Missouri baseball team hasn't said anything one way or the other. I think if they thought it was no big deal, we would know that by now. So at the very least, with, again, spring football starting tomorrow, the black and gold game being in 19 days, I think the odds of Sam Horn, even in the best case scenario, seeing time in spring practice are pretty low, so that means we're going to see a lot of Jake Garcia, especially in the scrimmage, of course, but those who are lucky enough to take in any of spring practice, he's going to be getting all the first team reps, and that really gives him a leg up on the competition, and I think, well, if I were a betting man right at this moment, I think he's got to be the leader in the clubhouse to take the first snap next year for Missouri at quarterback. And coming up, Missouri basketball pounded the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens. And I got to say, after a few beatdowns by the football team by Georgia over Missouri, yeah, that one felt pretty cathartic to do on their home court, number one. But after a pretty simple defensive adjustment late in the first half, Missouri completely owned the game, in my opinion. So let's talk about. All that, but first I want to tell you about Built Bar because if you're looking for a delicious treat and don't want all the fat and sugar that you'll find in your, well, your store-bought candy bars that are in your impulse aisle, then you got to try a Built Bar. Listen, we're past Valentine's Day. No more excuses. Pool season is coming, people. We're getting in shape this year. Yes, this is the year. We're doing it. And it all starts with eating better. It's not about the biggest loser getting on the treadmill for 20 hours a day. You just need to eat better, folks. I promise you. But hey, have the occasional treat, have something that's covered in 100% real chocolate. And that, my friends, is Built Bar. Find it at built.com, find it at Walmart, find it at Sam's Club. Lots of varieties, including, of course, my favorite, anything with coconut in it. And you know what? Find you some build Bars and thank me later. Thanks again for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the brand new Locked On College Basketball with everything you need to know about college hoops in one complete package here from big time experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's locked on college basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And you know what folks, as you know, if you've listened to this for a while, I recently turned 40 years old. So yes, I'm starting to grow up a little bit in the last few years. I'll give myself a little bit of credit I'm starting to control my temper better during these Missouri basketball and football games, at least at times. They still test me, f- especially the, the end of the Kentucky football game this past season really tested me. And you know what? Even Mizzou, during the first half of the Georgia basketball game, was testing my patience a little bit, too. In fact, when it was 41-34 to 34, Georgia with Des Moines Hodge knocking down a bunch of shots. But you know what? Here's what I put verbatim in my notes at this moment when Missouri trailed by seven. I said, this team hasn't played a lick of defense the entire game. They look like a bunch of Russell Westbrooks out there lunging and reaching at every single ball. How about playing straight-up defense one time? They're carving the zone apart with threes too, Blocking out would be nice as well. Basically, I was saying, hey, what happened to just the switching man-to-man defense? Well, Missouri went back to that, and suddenly those wide-open three-pointers that Georgia was getting with just simple ball movement around the perimeter, well, that all dried up, and suddenly the Dogs really didn't have anything else, and Missouri completely suffocated them the rest of the game. So an excellent adjustment there by Dennis Gates, to be sure. I know the zone has worked for Missouri at times. It definitely was not working on Saturday whatsoever. I also have to give Dennis Gates credit for wisely keeping Kobe Brown on the bench for a long stretch during the second half when Missouri was still playing good basketball and increasing the lead against Georgia without needing Kobe Brown. And obviously Missouri is going to need Kobe Brown and has needed him all season. Kobe played 42 minutes in the previous ball game. We've ridden him hard the entire season. So it's good to just see him get a long stretch of rest and play a relatively light load for that young man. Kobe still ended up playing what? How many minutes in this ball game? Let's pull it up. But yeah, I thought 31 minutes Still a pretty good load, but again, less than he usually plays. That's for darn sure. And by the way, once again I thought Trey Go Million, despite his doe million moment, as I called it, on Twitter when he lost the basketball inexplicably for a wide open dunk. I thought go million was really good once again, just doing all the little things, providing energy. Also nice to see DeAndre Golston get out of what had been a pretty good slump. For at least a game and a half or so, I would say, and at the first half first half I joked to somebody that it should actually be red light Golston the way he's shooting right now but then as others had joked on Twitter by the end of the game well DeAndre Golston's missed some easy shots badly and made also some impossible shots seemingly in the second half as well so in other words he looked like DeAndre Golston so that was good to see in all seriousness because speaking of elbow injuries I was worried about Golston's left elbow his that he seemed to really be favoring after the after halftime of the Mississippi State game previously. So again, we need everybody possible down the stretch, especially with Isaiah Mosley's status is still in doubt. So good to see all of that. Good to see Aiden Shaw play a productive nine minutes and see just make sure that he's still part of the team and still active. Noah Carter was good once again. Mo Diarra. Didn't really need his size in the second half, but when he was in there in the first half was really a part of the solution to be sure. So I just thought a strong game all around for just about everybody by Missouri, of course, a huge victory. And also, well, a team that is almost certainly going to be in the NCAA tournament moving forward. The interesting thing about Missouri is there is definitely an argument brewing. I can see it already. I've seen it written about in some circles already. Well, if you look at Missouri's sort of advanced metrics, if you will, they're a team that's almost still on the bubble. But really, if you look at quad one victories, for instance, and other things, Missouri is a borderline elite team that is among one of the highest in the nations in terms of quality victories. So where does that all suss out? And what's the bigger picture view of this? Should we be looking at Forward looking stuff, or should we look at what you've actually done when it comes to the NCAA tournament, bidding, seeding, all that stuff? Where do I think Missouri ends up? Well, let's talk about that after these quick messages. Jerry Palm of CBS Sports has been doing bracket projections for many years. And one thing he does, and he admits this openly, is he doesn't rely on predictive measures. So that means that he has Missouri higher than the Ken Palm rankings does, for instance. In his his seedings, for instance, he has Missouri, at least a week or two ago, had them as high as a six seed. And you know what? This is going to seem like I'm talking my book, as we say in the stock market game. But I totally appreciate that, and it's not really about Missouri in this case. I appreciate the the predictive projections like Ken Palm. You guys hear me talk about them all the time. Heck, I've used them before they were all the rage to help myself win a little bit of money in some NCAA tournament pools back in the day. But again, when it comes to who actually gets in the tournament, when it comes to seeding as well, to me, it shouldn't be any factor whatsoever. It should be zero factor in terms of things that are trying to predict the future, because I don't care what the numbers say you're going to do in the future when it comes to actually judging your season. And here's, I think, a good a good example of that. For instance, if you're trying to predict the future, well, whether or not DeAndre Golston's shot against Tennessee went in or not really shouldn't matter whatsoever I, I mean zero. think about that. Missouri with a huge victory there, but if that shot just rims out, well Tennessee gets the win and that has a massive effect on the standings and everything else. So I understand that if you're trying to predict the future, I wouldn't take that particular shot really into into account whatsoever. But when it comes to NCAA tournament seating, yes, I do take it into consideration. You know why? Because Missouri won the basketball game. Are we not overthinking this sometimes? Because that's the objective reality, and I don't want to hear anything else. Again, when it comes to who should advance, in the NCAA tournament, all we want is who advances to the next round, right? We're not like, well, here's who should have won. Here's who had better predictive rankings. So, what, we're going to give you an extra five points at the beginning of the game for that? Because that's kind of what you're doing in terms of who actually gets in to the field of 68 at times. Again, all this predictive stuff that attempts to be predictive and is pretty darn good at it, it's all really helpful for gamblers and especially, well, I mean, by the way, the actual houses themselves. But yes, gamblers and fantasy players and, and FanDuel players and all that good stuff. But the NCAA committee, to me, should totally ignore it because I don't know. I I just think then now you're getting into gymnastics territory much more closer when it's like, okay, now we're starting to say, uh, it's just so much more subjective Then is what I'm trying to say here. Instead of making it an actual reality, an objective reality of wins and losses, because not only is that my personal preference, but also, I just think in terms of drama, in terms of making the actual season matter, I just think that's you're you're almost you're undermining the entire regular season if you're starting to say, well, we're going to have these numbers matter more than what actually happened on the court. I just think that goes way too far and by the way, just for a little more context, Dominique Leese, who is one of the most accurate bracket projectors out there says that your actual resume what you did in the season is what generally speaking gets you in the tournament but the predictive metrics often have a pretty big impact on your seeding these days again still not a fan of that but at least that's better than the other way around but you know what if you want to hear more about the big picture of college basketball of course you got to check out locked on college basketball and on excuse me youtube and wherever you get your podcasts so until next time i'm john miller and thanks for listening to locked on mizzou